Welcome to Emil Franzi's Voices of the West, dedicated to the principle that America was better off when our TV shows featured cowboys instead of lawyers. And welcome to another edition of Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. I'm Harry Alexander. Bunker to Francis here. That's me. And we're waiting to hear from our good buddy in Los Angeles, Todd Roberts. And he's trying to find out, find the key to the door. <laughs> Could be. And he's inside the house. <laughs> How do you get in? That's, that's our Todd. <laughs> All right. Uh, uh, today's yeah. topic is going to be those forgotten westerns. And by forgotten, we mean the westerns that... Basically set the bar for what we watch today, I think. Yeah. Well, you know, to me, what forgotten westerns are, that's like, it could be any of the B-westerns. Yep. Uh, because even the Roys and the Jeans and the Hoppies, uh, you know, the, the Millennials and the Yuppies sure. and the yeah. he, younger kids, they haven't even had a chance to watch them because mm-hmm. they don't show them mm-hmm. anymore. And so they've kind of been forgotten. And when you go to the silence outside of the great train robbery and film buffs, uh, very few people know any of the silent westerns, and some of them mm-hmm. are way better than some of the sound westerns. Yeah. And that's just, that's just you know, it's, it's movies that have been put to the side. Some of them are lost, mm-hmm. but they're... they're the story behind them, or some of the, you know, you you read about them and you go, God, I'd love to, I'd love to have been able to see that. Yeah. Well, there's a number of uh, silence that I have been watching silent westerns. Aren't they cool? And yeah, they're they are, and it's unfortunate that some of the reels aren't available for yeah. them because then you would have a better concept of what the story is. And I mean, you can tell what the story yeah. is pretty much, but. You know, having all of the film there is an important well, thing. Well, you know, it's like uh, I looked up, I was looking up some stuff one time, and I come across Bronco Billy's Christmas. It's like mm-hmm. a 12 minute mm-hmm. short, but it was a long, it was a feature league by then, yeah. you know, at that time. And I was just blown away. It was, you know, and they had the, the titles were just right and time just right. Yeah. And it was, you know, it was dark. I'm thinking this would be a great. Christmas movie for a family, you know, yeah. sit the kids around down around right. the fireplace. But yeah. before we get into uh, our topic for today, we do have some news that we need to share. Well, with I've you. got some, I've got some uh, totally unimportant uh, knickernackers kind of information. That, well, if it's on this show, it's important. Yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> One of the things I want to I want to give a couple of uh, homework assignments out to ah. folks out there. Uh, get your get your Crayolas already and write this down. <laughs> now this is this is on the, this is on the internet, so it's not going to be hard to find. It's called Ten Western Books Too Twisted to Be Made into Films. <laughs> I, I while researching this show, I come across this site, stopped and read all ten of the story story yeah. outlines. I'm, I'm thinking, man, I want to see that movie, you know. So, and they mentioned this is an example by Bone Tommy Hawk, yeah. which is one of the, I think, one of the best westerns you know, made in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, another piece of homework: The Railway of Death, made in 1912, is a 15-minute French western. Mm-hmm. I read a bunch of stuff on it, and. It's the first, I think it's probably the first anti-hero Western. You can find it on the YouTube. Todd Roberts is, is joining us. Hi, Todd. Harry. How are Bunker, you? How are you? Hey. We, we are fine, sir. How are you? Did you have trouble getting uh. the cork out of the bottle? <laughs> Uh, I had a little trouble getting the cork out of the bottle. <laughs> okay. But I was, well, I was really you. mostly, uh, I was, I'm late because uh, I was out. Uh, with my friend Nola, mm-hmm. and we were buying Nola cowboy boots. Well, all right. Oh, good. Yeah. Okay, yeah. well, let's get on with this here stuff here. And uh, the other piece of news that we have well, is... Well, tomorrow is going to be Audie Murphy's birthday. Yep, tomorrow. He was born in 1924. Mm-hmm. Now, today... Today and tomorrow on Grit, they're running... Uh, all Tons of Audie Murphy's, yeah. <laughs> Maybe all of the Audie Murphy yeah, cowboy movies. Audie Murphy weekend. Uh, I watched this before the show today. I watched the first televised Bill Pickett Invitation Rodeo. That's cool. Uh, and it was great. It was Black Rodeo, Las Vegas. It yeah. was, it's like the championship for Black Rodeo. Right. And it was just awesome. But the, the folks there were family people. They, the, the emphasis is on family, community, community. Uh, 
you know, heritage, history, and it just it's very impressive. And I hope I hope this becomes a regular mm-hmm. regular format on TV, That's CBS. Cool. Now, where's my other stuff here? I got more stuff here. Oh, the uh, there's a movie coming out on the 23rd of August called The Duel. Okay. I saw the previews, Woody Harrelson, Liam Hemsworth, and it looked pretty darn interesting. Oh, right. Kind of darkness looking here. It's the duel, right? The duel. All right. D-U-E-L. Now, and uh, coming you up. And also. Huh? Go ahead, Bunker. I'm okay. sorry. Uh, coming up, uh, we finally got to go ahead down at the Empire Ranch uh, to open up. No, we're no longer COVID down there. And uh, so on the uh, 24th of July, the fourth Saturday, we're celebrating the National Day of the Cowboy All down right. there. Excellent. There'll be a, a cowboy breakfast, yep. start around 8, run till 12. And it's open to the public. You know, come on down, bring your appetite. And we, we'll, we'll probably have some entertainment or something going mm-hmm. on. We don't, don't know for sure. Okay. Also, the uh, Empire Ranch Foundation Cowboy Festival that we do every November is back again. Yeah, it'll be done on the sixth and seventh. That's something to look forward to. You're Excellent. getting more news from us on that. Excellent. Two days. That's a good thing. Two days, and it's it's. I'll tell you what. I I go down. Harry's Harry goes down. Uh, I do cowboy conversations. We talk about movies and stuff and. It's just you know we have Cal we have WWA authors down there selling and signing books. Ton of fun. Now the other important thing that we need to pass on to you is that the High Chaparral reunion. Uh, scheduled for Tucson in October has been canceled. Susan McRae has had to cancel it because uh, Don Collier, uh, who is the featured guest uh, for the event, um, is uh, beginning uh, radiation treatment. Health, yeah. And so uh, he's had to cancel that, and we're very, very sorry to Broke hear a about lot that. Of hearts. All, yeah, it did. We're all praying for Don. Yes, and, we are. And it's speedy recovery. He's a tough old cowboy. I think he'll pull through. I think he will. I think he'll just say, I don't have time for this. Hey, who's to get that damn needle out of my arm? I'm, I got I got to drink some whiskey. All right. On to the topic of today's program. Those forgotten westerns. And I do have one, Harry, I do have one piece of news oh, for sir. you, though. Okay, yeah. go for it. You and I'm Bunker. Sorry. Well, and also, more importantly for the audience. Okay. Uh, our friend Fel Reed called me yesterday, ah. and he finished the first Western that he's been working on mm-hmm. in a while, and they're immediately going into production on a second one. Wow. Yahoo! So two new Westerns are coming Excellent. out, uh, and they got plenty of guns. If you if a production hires Fel Reed, there's plenty of guns. I reckon so. <laughs> so everybody, uh, everybody get ready. All Get right. loaded. Oh, Most man. excellent. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, you know, it looks like a good year for Westerns. There's yeah. a lot of stuff coming down, yeah, the, down the pike. Yep. Some of it's going to be, you know, you know, cable. Right. But, you know, some it's of it's going to the theaters. It's a Western thing. nonetheless. People are going to see them. That's the main thing. It's, it's horses and cowboys. Yeah, cowboys and horses. All right. Cowboys, uh, cowgirls, and cowgata. There you go. Our topic for today, the uh, forgotten Westerns. And uh, that not necessarily Shoot. forgotten. Um, it just know, maybe not wayside. known. Yeah, gone by the wayside. These these are movies that uh, basically set the bar for what we have been watching uh, throughout our lives. I be- I believe, yeah. and um, we're going to take little bits. Bits of movies here and there, and uh, I'm not sure what where Todd's going to go with it, but I'm going to stick pretty much with John Ford movies. Oh, okay, cool. Because you know this is this is one of the things too is, is, is think about is a forgotten western doesn't have to be a great big money maker. No, 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 no. It can be just a little thing that no. escaped. No. you really like you know the uh, Irish Gringo. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> it was a goofy little movie, but yeah. I loved it. Yeah. Yeah, well, uh, let, let's get to the, the to the bottom line of when they started making westerns, and everybody seems to think that it was in 1903 with a great train oh, robbery. Oh, oh, oh. But that we know is better, that is Harry. not so. The world's first western movie, worst narrative western movie, yeah, was filmed in Lancashire, England, in 1899. It's called Kidnapping by Indians. 
It's a one-minute film, and uh, you can find it on uh, on the web. Just uh, type in the very first Western movie, and it'll come up with its BBC uh, link, and you can find it, and you can watch it. It's a one-minute film, and basically what it is is the... Uh, uh, there's a, a young lady sitting outside uh, waving a hanky. Waving a hanky on on, on uh, she's sitting on a lawn chair. She's got a little baby with her, and uh, some Indians sneak up and bonk her and steal the baby. And then in comes our uh, cowboy hero and uh, fights the Indians. All kinds and, of shooting, gun smoke everywhere, and uh, socked to the jaw. And the ranch was won. The and, ranch was saved. And a lot of hopping up and down. <laughs> yeah, you know, it was it was done by Mitchell and Kenyon. And what's interesting is that this was this was among lost films, and back in 1994, in some barrels underneath their former headquarters, they found something like that, 60 some odd films, which is amazing yeah. because the BBC had a history of not saving any. Uh, productions, any videotape productions. Well, this, any, B- this was pre-BBC. Well, oh, okay. Oh, it was found. Okay, it was found elsewhere. Okay, because yes, yeah. I was going to say BBC destroyed bunches of uh, oh, stuff well, because they like didn't the have studios, the storage. You know, yeah. they, they they would take the the, the uh, nitrate film yeah. and uh, rend it down for the silver in it. Yeah. You know, and to, to recoup a couple of pennies. Yep. Okay, so that that is the the one film there. But the Great Train Robbery obviously is a is a very very important movie. Um, uh, no yeah. que- no question about that. But, but um, everybody, everybody knows that if they love film. Yeah, yeah. So it's not forgotten. I'm, I'm glad it's remembered because it maybe it'll be a gateway to other films for people. The the movie I, I chose here, one of the movies that I have chosen is um, uh, the Iron Horse, uh, John Ford. Uh, 1924. Um, George O'Brien is in it. Uh, uh, I think Harry is Harry Carey in that too. I can't remember. Uh, but uh, uh, obviously, it's the building of the railroad. Well, you know that's an interesting thing too because uh, that's a, that's a distinction we need to point out is that some of the films we're going to be mentioning uh, to film buffs and to film historians they're not lost. Right. Like this is one of them. But to the average film goer, the average person that watches stuff on TV or buys a DVD, these are films they need to know about and get a hold of and, if they can. And these are films, uh, the ones that I'm going to talk about, you, you can find them on, on YouTube. Yeah. You can watch them on YouTube or uh, a lot of these, yeah. or other streaming platforms. It's not that they are lost. You can find them. So yeah. uh, I, I just think it was a very important movie. Um, it was one of Ford's epics. It was the epic that, that, that really... You know, catapulted him. Well, and catapulted the mm-hmm. epics. Because you know, the last one before that was Covered Wagon. That was the very and, first, yeah. Yeah, and it, it wasn't a great box office success more than anything else because it was the film format. It was shot in 70 millimeter, but only was able to show in a 35 yeah. because there was only two theaters right. that could show it. <laughs> so you missed and, you know, And so it just... It, it, and the depression. Yeah. The depression hurt it. So... That's that's my that's one my one uh, one of my contributions for today's topic. Well, I want to mention three silence, okay, and then go into depth on them. Uh, the light of the western stars, from a Zane Grey novel, obviously. To Dustin Farman, Farnham. It was shot actually shot over here in Arizona at La Osa Ranch, mm-hmm. one of the uh, dude ranches owned by White Stallion folks and other ranches in the area, and you know that's. You know the, the the silent Zane Grays are some of the best silence out there, and he was such an important thing. The next one is Redskin, and that was with Richard Dix, plays an Indian named Wingfoot, and from a novel called Navajo, 1929, 82 minutes long. It was shot. What's one of the unique things? It was shot in two strip Technicolor, and uh, shot up at a coma pueblo. And it's the storyline is he's a he's, he's sent he's sent away to the white man's school or actually taken away mm-hmm. uh, and he returns and he's a fish out of water he doesn't belong in either world he falls in love with an Indian girl but it's the last silent and first color feature shot in New Mexico. Now how was how was color processed? I mean, it, was it? Well, Technicolor started out as a two-color process back around, I think, 1916. 
Really? And over the years, it was developed more and more. And oh, it was used in some okay. movies. Like the movie that, uh, that uh, Dix did just before this had scenes that were in black and white and color. Interesting. Now, were the... I guess... Well, I'm not sure where to go with that. I mean, I, I'm just uh, yeah, I'm surprised. Thing, this is, you know, this was thought again. This was one of those films that was thought to be a lost film. Yeah. And they found a print in 1970, and just to show you how you know it's just you know it just it, you know it was so. Oh, I'm going to go some of the cast here. Tully Marshall, mm-hmm. he he was around forever playing old timers and sheriffs and stuff. He was a young whippersnapper there mm. and you know like I say that's it and then the other western is uh, Wanderer of the Wastelands of course you know who that was written by and it was a famous Lasky player Paramount production okay. shot in 1924 and shot in natural color and that was a technicolor process too interesting yeah and uh, see, let's see who was in that thing Jack Holt our favorite yeah, old guy, yeah. Jack Holt Noel Berry, the yep. father and uncle of famous berries. Yep. Uh, George Irving, moving on. Billy Dove, who was a, a real hottie in those days. In fact, uh, Billy Dove was the uh, wife of the director, Irvin Willett, who was stolen away by Howard Hughes. <laughs> and it, it devastated Willett and it was like virtually ended his career, wow. I guess, in grief. Wow. But, you know, that's, that's kind of, man, that was. And it was the first. Oh yeah, and it was the first western and third film to be made entirely in Technicolor. Interesting. Yeah. Todd, what have you got? Well, um, I have uh, I have some things that, of course, are a little bit off, um, like me. Yeah. Um, I, was say I that. don't think you can. I, I, I don't think you can underestimate or under underlaud. Uh, the Iron Horse. Uh, I completely agree. It's the, it's one of the first big pictures that you know let people know that there was something much greater than these little twenty minute, thirty minute films. Mm-hmm. This was a full blown, full full length film, and I think it really it took a it it, it took people by tremendous surprise. Um, I will also say that the. The, the first film ever made in Hollywood, which I think, I, I'm, I don't mean to be negative or mean, but the first film made in Hollywood was shot in 1912. It took until early 14 for it to be released. It was called The Squaw Man. Yes. And it was yes. directed by Cecil B. DeMille, yep. written by Cecil B. DeMille. Um, Starring? And uh, uh, starred Dustin Farnham, Monroe yes. Salisbury, and Winterford Kingston. Um, it is a very important film because uh, when they came out here to shoot it, uh, everybody laughed at them, such as Edison. Yes. Um, what they didn't take into account was uh, that weather was not their enemy any longer when they were here. Mm-hmm. They could shoot outside. Every most every day of the year, uh, the sunshine was great light. If it wasn't raining, you were ready to go. Yeah. In the east, you dealt with snow and you dealt with sleet and you dealt with rain and overcast clouds and nasty weather in so many ways, and it just uh, made it much more difficult. And all of a sudden, the studios who were thinking. Um, about money and production and productivity and everything else realized that oh my god we can make a lot more movies uh on a lot cheaper land than back in new york and anywhere else in new york state Mm -hmm. by coming to california so this film um it literally put the eastern film business out of business and the camera the camera used uh by path a uh, that and uh, the script is uh, on display at the Autry Museum. Or yes. was a, they also got away from the laws con- on ownership of the film camera. Right, back yeah. there. right, absolutely. It also, um, this film was so popular, they remade it three other times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Once with so there were three other Squawmans. Yeah. Yeah. And then there was the Squawman's son. 
So, you know, I don't think you can (laughs) underestimate its appeal, nor its power, and nor how it forget about knocking over the apple cart. Right. Uh, It destroyed the apple cart and turned the apples into juice. And it left everything behind. And the unique (laughs) thing about it is it was shot into an old in an old barn <coughs> uh, you know Todd that was um, that is on Hollywood Boulevard to this day it's in the park across the street from the Hollywood Bowl wow. and it's a museum and you can go through it wow. and um, it's it's just it it's tre- tremendous history I, every time I come off the freeway in Hollywood there it is I see it and uh, um, I just it reminds me of how that little building basically uh, allowed everybody to imagine building this industry, Jeez. which is worldwide and a multi multi billion dollar industry to this day. We got to take uh, our first break here, and uh, on Emil Franzi's Voices of the West, we're talking about forgotten westerns, not necessarily forgotten, but westerns that we were made. Them. Yeah, you, you'll remember them. Westerns that were made and and. Because they were made, it allowed others to be to be made as well. I think I'll just shut up and uh, <laughs> we'll go to the commercial break. Go here. to break it, break yeah. it up. Right we'll right. be back with much more right after this. Arizona, the land of cattle, copper, and cowboys. It's also the true west where a large number of westerns were filmed. For your next vacation, come out to where Wyatt Earp made a name for himself as a highly respected sheriff. Stay where Jimmy Stewart filmed Winchester 73. That would be the White Stallion Ranch. Situated in the mountains just northwest of Tucson, the White Stallion Ranch is an award-winning dude ranch with 43 guest rooms and the Hacienda. That's a five-bedroom, three-bathroom home, perfect for larger families, family reunions, and girlfriend getaways. Every guest room has a private patio with views of the cactus gardens, mountains, or corrals. Generous floor plans offer sunny, comfortable rooms, but you won't want to stay in your room. Outdoor activities are plentiful at the White Stallion Ranch. Horseback riding, hiking, shooting, archery, rock climbing, e-biking, and a weekly ranch rodeo are among the numerous activities that you'll enjoy on your ranch vacation. Go Western for your next getaway. The White Stallion Ranch. Book your vacation now online at whitestallionranch.com or call 520-297-0252. Imus Wilkinson Investments, 777-1911, is a unique investment management firm. They pay little attention to where the market indicators are because smart investment management goes way beyond check and stock exchanges. They are very good at managing all types of investment based on client expectations. They build relationships, and they want clients, not customers. My family is proudly included among them, and they'll help you, as they did us, design a portfolio that achieves what you want when you need it. Imus Wilkinson Investments, they're really good at what they do. 777-1911. America, let me tell you about Sergeant Greg Anderson. Served two tours in Afghanistan, Bronze Star and Purple Heart recipient, and unemployed. The unemployment rate among transitioning service members is unacceptably high, much higher than the general population. Veterans are a proven commodity. They're mature, reliable, and hardworking. They deserve a chance to get back to work after serving their country. Do you really want to honor a veteran? Hire one. Go to legion.org slash honor veterans to find out how you can help. Coming to you from the great southwestern United States. You're darn tootin'. Yes, sir, Bob. This is the Voices of the West. Welcome back to Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. Harry Alexander with you, Bunker to France, and Todd Roberts is in Los Angeles. And uh, a little bit of movie music there. I mean, yes. I know Franzi would have been jumping up and down to hear that. He would love it. He would have been telling us all about it. I'm sure he Tell would. Tell us all about it. Yeah, right? I have no clue. Oh. <laughs> Except that I played it. Played it, played it with a hit. Demo's legacy. Us. There, yeah, exactly. Our uh, topic today is those westerns that um, may have been forgotten, but you know, maybe that's mislaid. not... Yeah, mislaid westerns, uh, waylaid westerns. Uh, <laughs> overlooked. overlooked. Overlooked westerns. Uh, I mean, they're... You know, there have been bunches of great westerns made, but I am discovering those silence. Oh, yeah. And I'll tell you what, 
they are really, really good. We watched one the other night. Let me find it here. What did you watch the other night? Uh, He's dialing it up there. There we go. Straight shooting. Uh, Straight shooting. This is a a great movie. Uh, Harry Carey is in it. Uh, Hoot Gibson is in it. Um, I mean... Bottom line of the movie is uh, water rights, land rights, and you know the usual Western what themes. What else do you fight about? Yeah, yeah, but the the production. I mean, this is almost a comedy, almost a comedy. There's a scene where uh, uh, they're they're putting up a, a, a placard, a wanted poster of Cheyenne Harry, uh, who is Harry Carey, and they nail it to the tree, and the uh, guy leaves. Uh, leaves the scene and camera sits there and in just a few moments you see Harry Carey coming out of the trunk of the tree where there, there was a big big, big hole in the yeah, tree <laughs> and he comes out of that and, and looks at uh, the thousand dollar reward sign and turns to the camera and smiles <laughs> I mean you know come on that, uh, that stuff is good cool. that, is that's, that is good and, and to see a young Hoot Gibson he was like 25 when this film was made um just one Madison Square Garden. Yeah, I mean, this was a, a minute, uh, an hour, and some uh, minutes uh, movie, and the cards were not in English; they were in Dutch. <laughs> but you know, it just shows you the popularity, and the silent movies were worldwide. You could, you did not need the cards to understand what was yeah. happening in the movie. Yeah. You know, so. Well, uh, I've got, I've got to move on into the B era, and I got a couple of them here. One of them, Boots of Destiny, Ken Maynard. There you go. 1937. Uh, one of the interesting things about this one, of course, is you know, is the horse, uh, his horse Tarzan, that didn't swing through trees, but was one of the <laughs> one of the top movie horses. This is, he kind of set the stage for. Well, he was a follow-up to Tony, but he was like Tony Trigger Champion. He's, he got second billing in all the movies. Sure. You know, and that's that's pretty darn good. And one of the I thought was interesting is they shot this out at Andy Aregi Ranch, out at the place of Rita Canyon, out by Newhall. And Ed was one of the, uh, Andy's brother. Uh, he was one of the stunt guys on it, uncredited. And he went on and years later. He was stand in and double for uh, Lauren Green on Bonanza. Oh wow! You know, uh, the next one, and this is I love this one. It's Colorado Sunset. It's a Republic. Uh, 61 Minutes, George Sherman, great, great, great director, uh, Gene Autry, Smiley Burnett, but, uh, oh, and the screenplay was by Betty Burbridge, who wrote a ton yes. of stuff. I mean, her name is, she's better than Louis Lamore. Yes. I think. Anyhow, the cast, June Story, Larry Buster Krabby, uh, Barbara Pepper, Robert Barat, Patsy Montana, Arnell Pratt, William Farnham, Jack Elam, Elmo Lincoln, Frank Marvin, Ethan Laidlaw, Frank Burns, Jack Kurt, Ed Buster, Ed Cassidy, Slim Winnaker, uh, Peter Bricker, uh, the CBS KMBC Texas Rangers champion, <laughs> and Ken's brother Kermit even got a job in that one. He's doing stunts. They had you know, <clears throat> two of the songs, I Want to Be a Cowboy Sweetheart, which is Patsy Montana mm-hmm. said, which is considered the first million dollar record. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. You know, and uh, and then Gene sang it happened in Monterey, and then this is one of my personal favorites of the Bees, uh, the Far Frontier, uh, with uh, Roy Rogers, and that one again with Second Billing, Trigger, the ever steady Gail Davis, who was later Annie Oakley, mm-hmm. Andy Devine, Francis Ford was the was the father and the old, and they have he, they have him and Roy have a double fight against Roy Barcroft and the and the <laughs> nefarious leader of the bad guys. And that Francis Ford is John Ford's brother. Yeah, exactly. God, thank you, thank you. A uh, Holly Bain was in there. Roger Strain, Lane Bradford. Just listen to these names: Foy Williams and Willing and the writers of the Purple Sage. Tom London. It goes back to the earliest earliest uh, silence. Edmund Cobb. Same story. Shot out at the Iverson Ranch, the Walker Ranch, Vasquez Rock, Little Rock Dam. And this is great to you know, the gang is smuggling criminals back into the United States. <laughs> you know, what, what, what's interesting from my point of view, one of my interests here, 
the actor who portrays uh, the father in the Harry Carey movie that I was talking about, Straight Shooting, his name is George Barrel, and uh, I always look up the actor's bio mm-hmm. and stuff. This guy was born in 1849, mm-hmm. and he was a stage actor and such, and and then moved into movies and such. But I mean, the you know, stories. Even if, even if he wasn't a cowboy, he was the born stories. in an era when it was horses. There were the no stories. Yeah. The stories. The backstories. Oh man, Todd, what do you got? Well, well, as uh, the great uh, uh, Norma Desmond says in uh, Billy Wilder's Sunset Boulevard, we didn't need dialogue. We had faces. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> And I think that, uh, you know, those people in those days going to the movies identified more with the character because it, in a lot of ways, without the dialogue, it was kind of like reading a book. So you yes. internalized a lot of the feeling or what the feeling was um, that the artist was trying to portray to you, the actor. Because you didn't, it wasn't made easy with you with the dialogue. So you internalized a lot of it and had to figure it out or just internalized it, period, and said, oh, this is how they're feeling. And I think there was a, a different relationship between the silent moviegoer and the actor than the sound mm-hmm. movie, talking movie actor uh, uh, and, and actor. So in a way, it's like reading, and, and we all know that uh, we always like the book more than the film. And that's because we get to illustrate it in our mind the way we choose to. That's right. Um, and that makes us um, have a little more vested interest in in the subject matter. Yeah. But it doesn't really... The one thing <clears throat> that um, I'll say about film, whether it's silent or it's talking, and it doesn't matter... Um, and this is something that I've talked, you know, I've, we've talked about in the past, which is that film does something that no other medium can do. More so than reading, the written word, more than music, more than the stage play, more than the ballet, the symphony, or anything else. Or art, sculpture, doesn't painting, doesn't matter. It's the only artistic medium that takes something that we've seen a thousand times, a million times, every day of our life, and shows it to us in a way that we've never seen it. Mm -hmm. And my example of that, and there are many, but my favorite example of it is when Mr. Stanford bet his friend that, who were both enthusiasts of racehorses because they owned them, he and his wealthy friend, and this is Mr. Stanford, who started Stanford University, and so many other things in the state of California. And he bet his friend that the horse's uh, feet, at one split second, a hundredth of a second, mm-hmm. in the midst of the gallop, all four feet were off the ground. Mm-hmm. And his friend said, that's impossible. It is mathematically impossible because where what is his foundation that he would fall to the ground gravity would pull him to the ground he's too heavy he can't be moving his weight is not as his weight is greater than his shall I say torque of speed to move him forward without falling or stumbling so he hired Mr. Stanford hired a photographer to take Oh, uh, the first time he thought it would only take 32 shots, but it ended up being many more Mm -hmm. still photographs. Mm -hmm. And they set up all these cameras along uh, the railing of a racetrack, a a horse racetrack, and he photographed the horse every second, every half second, all the way down the line through a full cycle of a gallop. Mm -hmm. And when it came out, there was the horse there is a point a point in that horse gallop not when he trots and not when he lopes not when he canters but when he is in a full gallop that all four feet are off the ground (laughs) and that's what film does film shows us something good film 
quality film mm -hmm. shows us something, whether it's silent or it's a talkie, yep. it shows us something that we've seen a thousand times, which we have we've we've become so accustomed to we think we know it inside and out and it shows it to us in a completely and utterly different way that we've never seen before and that's why uh, film is so powerful because it hits all your senses simultaneously with the music and the dialogue or without it with the faces and the eyes and the expression and all of it doesn't hit the sound obviously I mean the the smell or feel. I remember in the seventies they they had feel around and they yeah. had smell around, um, which did not go over well based on certain pictures. <laughs> if there were a lot of horses, this would not go well. In a smell around, yeah. you know. But that's what film does, and that's the beauty of film is that it hits us. It's a book. It's a play. It's a sculpture. It's a painting. It's, it's life. Uh, music all at one time. Here. Take a full helping, open wide, and try to swallow. And that's what film is, when it hits you in the way that it should, in its original. And I would also what? say to you that one of the films that I think, other than Squawman, that's been overlooked, and I hate to be general, but I would say to you all of William S. Hart's films. Have yes, been yes, yes, indeed. And the reason I say that, you know, not for me, because, you know, um, my... Uh, my son Wyatt's cowboy shooting alias is Two Gun Wyatt, <laughs> after Two Gun Bill. Um, my dog's name was Doc Holiday. I think we're we're starting to see a trend. Here. Yes, we are. Um, we see a trend. Here. <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah. Yes. But um, I think that all of his films are, and the reason I say that more than anything is, the three of us know, but I would challenge anyone out there who's on email to email us. William S. Hart's state his stage name his the stage name of his character. Who was William S. Hart known as more so than William S. Hart? He was known as what? Bill Hart. And, and I would tell you. And the well, and the email is voices of the west at gmail dot com. We got to do our break here. We're running uh, sh uh, a little bit over there, so. Good points. Nobody Doc. will get it, Harry. Yeah, Nobody will get it. Well, we'll be back right after these messages. When looking for a property management company, here are some things you should consider. How long has the company been in business? What types of properties can they manage for you? And does the company give back to the community? Well, your search is over. The Paul Ash Management Company meets and exceeds those considerations. They've been in business in Tucson, Arizona since the 1960s. They manage all types of properties throughout Arizona and elsewhere, from residential to commercial to public sector properties. The Paul Ash Management Company also dedicates its time and resources to numerous community projects, including help funding the drive for the USS Arizona Memorial at the University of Arizona. You also want a property management company that puts you, the customer, first. First, contact the Paul Ash Management Company today at paulashmanagement.com and ask about the complete package or call 520-795-2100. That's 520-795-2100. The Paul Ash Management Company, property managers you can trust. Can you even imagine switching back to pen and paper to run your business? Every year we become more and more dependent upon our technology. If your network is not set up properly, you're just one click or one email away from losing data critical to your operation. Arizona Computer Guru offers a host of services to prevent and protect you from disaster. From online backup services to email filtering to fully managed network services, Arizona Computer Guru is here to keep your network secure, your data safe, and your budget in the black. To schedule your free consultation, call 304-8300. The Tucson Trap and Ski Club dates from 1948 and is now at 7800 West Old Ajo Highway. The club owns 80 acres and leases 300 more from Pima County that supports 50 trap fields, 15 skeet fields, two five-stand fields, two sporting plays courses with 12 stations each, a 9,000-square-foot clubhouse, 200 full-service RV hookups for members, and free Wi-Fi. This expansive facility gives enough room to host major national and international events annually, bringing thousands of people to the community. Check it out at TucsonTrapAndSkeet.com. Hey, this is Robert Fuller, uh, Jess Harper from Laramie, and we're listening to the Voices of the West. This is the Voices of the West. We 
are back. Harry Alexander of Bunker to France and Todd Roberts on Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. Saturday afternoon in Where the South. Where are we anyway? We are broadcasting to you from the beautiful Paul Ash Studios yeah. in um, Midtown Tucson, Arizona. In the baked apple. In the baked apple, yeah. <laughs> uh, compadres, <laughs> do you mind if I make one, two more closing points Please on Bill do. Hart? Please what do. What a revolutionary he was. One yes. and a half. Uh, <laughs> well, okay, fair enough. Uh, first of all, he invented the character of Masala in Ben-Hur. Yep. He created it. He brought it to life on stage. Uh, uh, originally, the, when Lou Wallace, the governor of New Mexico, wrote that novel, uh, the first time the thing the thing was done, it was done on stage with real horses. Wow. Mm-hmm. In a chariot race. On a treadmill. On stage. Wow. On a treadmill. Um, a little antiquated, but nonetheless, somebody <laughs> had to have felt like a hamster there. I know. I Semi-clad women on uh, horses on treadmills was real popular back on the stage in those days. I reckon it would be. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but the other thing he did um, is he created the anti-hero. Yes. More often than not, Bill Hart characters were bad guys yeah. who went straight, redeemed because of you know they redeemed themselves. Yes, Bucker, like Harry Carey. Because yes, but you know it was either the love of a woman or. He saw things go bad with his guys and his gang, and you know what? You guys went too far. I've had enough. I'm, you know, I'm not doing this anymore. Oh, hell's angels! What a movie! I would say to you that although uh, Hart and Ford never worked together, they should have. They should have that character because the one who did want them to work together was. Uh, Wyatt Earp. He wanted Hart to play him, and he wanted Ford to direct it. And uh, he he spent time with both of them personally off off the set and mm. so on. In fact, he often visited uh, William S. Hart's home. There is a court hanging in the home of William S. Hart that was a gift by uh, Wyatt and Josie after one of their many visits in wow. the summer, where it would get too hot for them out in the San Dimas area. But also, the fact that um, that anti that antihero character, if you think about it, is very much rooted, or shall I say, the Henry Ford character in My Darling Clementine is Wyatt Earp, and John Wayne's character in The Searchers. So many Ford characters in general, who s- settle, you know put out the evil guys, do away with them, so that decent people can live here, mm-hmm. but then he has to move on. That character is Bill Hart's character. Because mm-hmm. often, he did it for the right reason, so, you know, somebody innocent, a good, normal person, uh, a hard-working farmer, pioneer was killed, or whatever, or this woman's was family was roughed up, or whatever it is, and he falls in love with her. But often he rode off away by himself, mm-hmm. like Ford uh, has Henry Fonda do in My Darling Clementine and Wayne do in The Searchers. You know, an interesting thing there, too, is you, you, a lot of people don't catch the connection, but Harry Carey was the heir apparent of Hart. He continued that Hart kind of character, a more straight yeah character mm-hmm. as opposed to the Tom Mix mm-hmm. I, you know the iconic Tom Mix and it was that same thing and you see you see that you, that's a good point you see that thread running through Ford's films that his heroes and even some of his bad guys are extensions of, of that foundation here's a couple of yeah. other important movies uh, from way back when uh, in old Arizona uh, done 1928 and 29 uh, Warner Baxter won a best actor Academy as first. the Cisco kid uh, in that uh, it was also the first uh, Western sound Western produced by a studio Raoul Walsh uh, was the co-director in that and that's where he lost his eye mm-hmm. um, best picture Academy Award winner in the 1930-31 ceremony was uh, RKO's and Russ Lee Ruggles' Cimarron. Um, Big movie. Richard Dix again. Yep, and uh, talked about the Oklahoma Land Rush of 1889 and uh, big-budget film, but 
what's really important about this, for many years it was the only Western to ever win Best Picture honor until two 1990s winners, Dances with Wolves and Unforgiven. Yeah. Well, I've got yes. I've got some goodies here. One of them is just one of my all-time personal favorites, which all the film experts think is a terrible movie, but I think it's a great movie, and that's The Last Frontier. It was Anthony Mann uh, showed up on TV as Savage Wilderness, but it was Victor Mature, Guy Madison, Robert Preston, James Whitmore, and Bancroft, and of course uh, Jack, the great old Jack Pinnock in there, shot down in Mexico, and you know, this this movie was, I think, in a lot of ways, the first, uh, one of the earliest anti-westerns. Because your hero, Victor Mature, he is, he grew up as a child into became a fur trapper, mountain man, mm-hmm. and that's all he's ever known. He hasn't known civilization. Right. Uh, Whitmore is his mentor, his guide, his best friend, and. Uh, they get their, they've had a good year of trapping. Their third partner is an Indian, which is unusual. Uh, I mean, he's a good guy. He's not, he's not the stereotypical Indian. Mm-hmm. And they get, they get their furs stolen by a bunch of other bunch of Indians who are stereotyped. Well, they end up going as army scouts, and the uh, at this outpost, with uh, which is Robert Preston, is a marinette. He is like, he's like, he's like Custer, but. Even even more screwed up, <laughs> and he's got but he's got Anne Bancroft for a while. Okay, and Victor Mature thinks she's kind of peachy, <laughs> and he is trying. He actually digs a bear trap and leads Preston to fall into it, and he almost rapes her. <laughs> this is the hero. Yep. <laughs> but you know, but but you know, everything comes out all right because it's a western. But it is it is so different and it's not traditional. It's yeah, it's really good. Any yeah. B, any other B westerns? Uh, uh, I just wanted to make a point. Any Hopalong Cassidy B yes. is a great movie. You bet. I don't care I which one it is. Completely, completely agree. Harry, tell uh, us about Cassidy of the Bar Twenty. Well, that's the very first one. Yeah. That uh, and, and uh, he doesn't get his name until much later in the movie when he has a an accident. Or was he he was shot in the leg? I can't, broke his or leg. he broke his leg, and uh, so he gets his name by saying, "Well, they're saying, well." Bill, how you gonna get up on the horse? Well, I guess I'll just have to hop along. It's a good thing you didn't say I will just drag my leg and then drag along <laughs> drag Cassidy. Along, drag along Cassidy. Yeah, so yeah, I guess I'll just have to hop along. And so well, this is stuck. another great one, and you, you also want to go back to you on this one, Harry. Mm-hmm. Hell's Heroes. This is uh, this is the second of the three Godfathers, and it's the first one in sound. Mm-hmm. William Wyler directed it. Charles Bickford. Raymond Hatton, Fred Kohler are the three godfathers. Uh, Tom London's in it. John Houston is a church member, uncredited. <laughs> but this this movie, a lot of people, uh, a lot of the so-called experts consider it the best of the God, Godfather movies. So well, you can take it from there, Harry. I don't uh, know about that. I yeah. think well, we would have followed to... the book. I think if we're going to go... It's hard to beat Wayne. And if we're going to go that way, I think... Let me find it here. Harry Carey oh, Jr., Pedro Almondares. I lost it. Now. Oh, but this is neat. Raymond Hatton plays old Susanna on the harmonica. <laughs> <laughs> excellent, most excellent. Uh, oh man, I can't find the information I'm looking for. What are you for. looking for? Well, it's not important right now because we do have to take our final break. Okay. So we're going to do that and come back with uh, so much more of Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. Harry Alexander, Bunker to France, and it's a two-hour show. I got a lot of stuff. <laughs> Todd Robertson with you. We'll be back. Arizona, the land of cattle, copper, and cowboys. It's also the true West, where a large number of westerns were filmed. For your next vacation, come out to where Wyatt Earp made a name for himself as a highly respected sheriff. Stay where Jimmy Stewart filmed Winchester 73. 
That would be the White Stallion Ranch. Situated in the mountains just northwest of Tucson, the White Stallion Ranch is an award-winning dude ranch with 43 guest rooms and the Hacienda. That's a five-bedroom, three-bathroom home, perfect for larger families, family reunions, and girlfriend getaways. Every guest room has a private patio with views of the cactus gardens, mountains, or corrals. Generous floor plans offer sunny, comfortable rooms, but you won't want to stay in your room. Outdoor activities are plentiful at the White Stallion Ranch. Horseback riding, hiking, shooting, archery, rock climbing, e-biking, and a weekly ranch rodeo are among the numerous activities that you'll enjoy on your ranch vacation. Go Western for your next getaway. The White Stallion Ranch. Book your vacation now online at whitestallionranch.com or call 520-297-0252. Imus Wilkinson Investments, 777-1911, is a unique investment management firm. They pay little attention to where the market indicators are because smart investment management goes way beyond checking stock exchanges. They are very good at managing all types of investment based on client expectations. They build relationships, and they want clients, not customers. My family is proudly included among them, and they'll help you, as they did us, design a portfolio that achieves what you want when you need it. I'm S. Wilkinson Investments. They're really good at what they do. 777-1911. I'm Mr. Red. No doubt you've heard about rescue groups for dogs and cats. But did you know there's a rescue group for horses? That's right. It's called Horse It Around Rescue. Founders Steve Boyce and Teresa Worrell are helping out all those equine victims of neglect and cruelty by giving them a place to restore their health and wellness. And Horse It Around provides a nurturing and natural environment where horses can be horses, so they can be adopted out into forever homes. More than 120 horses, mules, and donkeys have been adopted out, but like everything else, it costs money to run the project. Horse It Around is a 501c3 nonprofit located in southeast Arizona. Your tax-deductible donations to Horse It Around will go a long way so those horses can be horses. Check out the website, horseitaroundrescue.org. Make a difference in a horse's life. That's horseitaroundrescue.org. Hi, this is Craig Morgan with a special message for all those who have served in the U.S. Army. The National Museum of the United States Army, to be built at Fort Belvoir, Virginia, will include the Soldier's Registry, an electronic record of Americans who have worn the Army uniform, recognizing their service. I've already added my story to the registry. I hope you'll add yours. To learn more and to make your story a permanent part of the National Army Museum, visit armyhistory.org. Read classic Western comics anytime at VoicesOfTheWest.net. Lord, I'm just a stunt man in this movie that I'm in. The role that I've been cast in calls for me to die again. I'll have to start another fight. The script says I can't win. And I've come to my conclusion that this movie never ends. Oh, I'm stuck here on the bottom of another damn stampede. All I hear is thunder and all We're back on Emil Francis' Voices of the West. That song's for Parker de France there. Larry Mahan, stuntman. <laughs> Stuck in a ballroom. So uh, yeah, that's uh, a true story. I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. Uh, what were we talking about before the break? Uh, about the Three Godfathers? Was it? We were talking about Three Godfathers. Yeah, that's a ripoff of Three Bad Men. Yeah. Well, actually, the book was the Three Godfathers. Yeah, three but Bad Men was a ripoff of that book. Three Three Bad Men. That's another John Ford uh, movie. But it, was, but it was still a ripoff of the same yeah. book. Yeah. All right. Well, I got the Moonlighter, which Unless is you're a again, it's just. <laughs> Besides what are you being doing, Todd, it is under under the <laughs> rainbow. Uh, what do you want to say there, Todd? So, well, you know, I know, I know that it lately has become my habit that I that I have to, you know, uh, smack the hornet's nest. But I think I'm going to again. Um, there's a great film. It's it's most people would not think of it as a western it was a modern day western when it was made back in the early 50s early to mid 50s it's anthony mann's border incident with mm-hmm. ricardo montalban 
which could not be more timely for today's world and what's going on on our southern border. Exactly. And it's the story of, um, you know, Mexican and American border agents, um, you know, shall I say, dealing with migrants very uh, heavy-handedly, but not as, of course, heavy-handedly as the coyotes who are manipulating them and abusing them and taking advantage of them. And it's a very timely film. It's a very poignant film. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we didn't think it was that important or poignant back when it came out or when we've seen it in our lives uh, on television since. But, you know, there's always something about an Anthony Mann film. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I can't think of anyone else that can f- find the underbelly of humanity better than he can. Yeah, he has he has a true compass directly to it, Mm -hmm. and I think it's a powerful film. What do you think? I'll also well go ahead. ahead. What do you think? Somewhere down the line, we ought to do a border patrol show. There's a lot of border. (laughs) Oh, I I I think so. I uh, without a doubt, Mm -hmm. uh, we should do a border, a show on the border, Um, from um, the movie The Border with Jack Nicholson and Harvey Keitel which is oh, a modern day western directed by Walter Hill good movie. which I always said should have been directed by Sam Peckinpah <laughs> to um, you got the one to, with Anthony uh, Quinn the one with Chris Christopherson Anthony Quinn, Chris Christopherson you've got this film Border Incident I Jones. think that um, the great uh, the great film uh, it's a noir but it's classic a classic noir but it's a western it's a black and white with Jeff Chandler and Orson Welles mm-hmm. as the ranch owner. Oh. Uh, although it all takes yeah, place yeah. on this side of the border, yeah. it is a border picture yeah. because he because he's an immigrant and a, just a you know a laborer. His life isn't worth anything in the mind of the ranch owner Orson Welles. And, then and Wells, when he Wells dies, they try to cover it up, and you know. And so on. I think there's a lot of timely films. Some are modern day westerns. Some are, shall I say, older. But I think it would be a great subject. Well, this this particular topic is uh, something that we have not exhausted by any means. Look at all the cards I've got (laughs) left here, Harry. Yeah, I mean. uh, I would also, for you both, you know, Harry, you and I were talking about it the other day, is, you know, how, how, you know, people say, well, who influenced you, or so on? Yeah. Well, there's the person who influenced you, but what about all the people that influenced him, sure. yeah. or them, or yeah. her, and then the people who invented influenced that person, exactly. and the people who influenced that person? And so I, I'll just throw it out there that you know it's it's Ford and Harry Carey. Uh, well, it's William S. Hart has truly influenced John Wayne, because yeah. as Bunker brought up, uh, obviously William S. Hart's anti-hero, uh, who played it cold and straight, as opposed to Tom Mix, who was kind of hop along, happy, and so on. Hey, let's all have a great time after I kill the bad guy, which I am in totally in favor of throwing a party after we kill the bad guy. <laughs> but um, you know. Somebody's got to beat up Bud Osborne. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, listen, we shoot you, you, you die, now we get to go drink. Yeah, this, right. will, this is a perfect scenario. Um, and if there's food involved, I'll be first in line. So, you know, but we can see the line between heart and influencing Carrie, obviously someone influenced by Ford in that character, uh, which then leads to Carrie influencing Duke mm-hmm. and obviously it's the greatest influence of his life that goes unspoken. It's almost overlooked that Kerry, how much he influenced him because everybody thinks Ford is the one who only influenced him but yeah. at the end of the searchers when he grabs his arm that's a nod to Harry mm-hmm. Carey Sr. Yeah. And it's not that Because he did it but he did it because who was behind the camera? Yep. Olive Carey, his widow, yep. and Dobie. Dobie Doby was right. We're both right there. Yeah. And you know, you, this is not. It's too a nod far, to them. This is not too far of a leap. John Wayne to sell it. 
Yeah, exactly. And it's hey, about that time to go say bye-bye. Yeah, it is. You know, there, well, he is Selleck. You're right. We've Tremendous got influence. Much more we can do on this topic, and we'll do uh, as again we and again move and again. again. And then we can now. do a TV version. There you go. Well. Next week, our uh, our guest is uh, for Movie Saturday is uh, actor stuntman Bo Hopkins. I'll be my what is it? Black cat's ass. Oh, you kiss my sister's black sister's cat's ass. black cat's ass. <laughs> and we've got that. And you can't you can't take your eyes off it. And yeah, all right. You so literally cannot take your eyes. off That's our show for today, and we'll be back next time. With another edition of Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. Seven, eight, seven, nine. Adios, amigos. So long, everybody. Thanks for listening to Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. 